Hello, podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Kingdom Talk with Tanya. I always say this, but I do miss you guys. Um, I've started recording once a month on the first Saturday of every month, but I am definitely trying to remain consistent with that now that summer is over, fall is upon us, cold weather is coming. Um, Today is a very cool day here in North Carolina. I hope the weather is nice wherever you are. Um, but God has put a very powerful word on my heart, and I look forward and I'm very excited um, to share it with you. I hope that you will share it with others who you um, believe can benefit from it. The title of my message today is Scared Straight. Scared Straight. Life can sometimes take us through so many changes, and sometimes we don't know which way is up. Today, I'm going to talk about things you don't want to happen in your life to wake up and go the right way. You are listening to Kingdom Talk with Tanya. The foundational scripture can be found in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And it reads, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. That scripture has always been so powerful and so real to me. It is so easy to walk through the wide gate of sin, fleshly desires, selfishness, self-fulfillment, pride, and any other thing that has the appearance of evil or the appearance of this world we live in. It's hard to go through the gate of selflessness, loving our enemies, truly putting God first, not just saying it, but doing it crucifying our flesh, righteousness, being holy, humility. And as the word of God says, few people find it. Few people find that gate. And I will tell you what, Satan is having a field day in so many people's lives right now. Even ones who have a huge call and even those who are in church that think they have it all together. So many people are deceived, but God I do see him raising up a generation who is setting a standard, who are pursuing a greater walk with him, who are determined to set themselves apart and not look like the world. My church, the church that I attend now that I'm a member of now, um, it's made up of a lot of younger converts and they are so radical. It excites me. So while it looks like Satan is doing damage God's people are also here and they are changing the tone of this world and this nation. God said they are not of the world even as I am not of the world in John 17, 16. Who is they? Who is they in this text? Well, they is every believer that's listening to me right now. They is you. They is me. We're in this world, but we are not of this world. We're not supposed to look like this world. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then in verse 16, it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. We are commanded by God to be a light, to be a city set on a hill. And it doesn't say that we we are, it says we are We are a city set on a hill and that we cannot be hidden. Light cannot be hidden. Darkness cannot hide light. Light shines so bright that darkness cannot hide it. 
many people um, whose attention God is trying to get right now, there are so many. There's just so, so many people that he's trying to because there are so many people that are running. They're not being that light. Maybe that somebody is you. Maybe you were told years ago that you have a call on your life or someone prophesied your gift to you, your purpose to you. Maybe they said you were called by God to be a pastor or an evangelist. Maybe they said you were called to be a teacher or an encourager, maybe a prophet. Maybe it was prophesied to you that you're a prophet. Maybe you've been told that you have a gift of prayer or of healing, but you're afraid of it. You're afraid of that gift or you're stuck in the world's way and your flesh is winning. I will tell you one thing. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 and 11 that God's word does not return void. Or in another translation, it says it doesn't return empty. In other words, if God spoke it to you or someone else shared it with you because God gave it to them to share with you, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. It will come to pass if and when you surrender, when you lay down your will, and when you let God have his way in your life. And I'm telling you, it is the good life. I've lived in the world and I've done everything I wanted to do. But there is no place I would rather be than in the perfect will of God and walking in my purpose. I'm not perfect. I miss it. But I love the Lord and I am pursuing him and his people. And I love his people. And I'm walking out my purpose one day at a time. The scripture also says in Numbers 23 and 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and he will not do it? Or has he spoken and he will not make it good? His promises and his will shall come to pass. And there's no demon in hell that can stop it. You will never be able to outrun God. I have a friend who I've been ministering to for months. I've been ministering to him for months. And I knew that he wanted a closer walk with the Lord. But the world and the streets had a hold on him. He would take two steps forward and five steps back for a long time. People prophesied to him about God's plan over his life. People told him what his purpose was. And everybody who were all strangers said the same thing. And they would always tell him where God was taking him. Strangers even warned him of what was to come if he stayed in the place that he was in. People spoke his call over his life and he knew they were right. He knew God had called him for something great. He had a rough childhood, as many people do, as many people called by God do. Um, they have a rough childhood. He had a rough life. And honestly, he was stuck. I pulled back from ministering to him because God showed me a long time ago that I am called to help people who are hungry and to help those who are ready to go, go higher. I'm also called to help those who have surrendered or those who are ready to surrender. But if someone is stuck and doesn't want to continue to progress, I have to love them from a distance. One of my calls is to be an encourager and an uplifter. And I'm so grateful for that call and the people that God has placed in my life for me to help guide them and give them encouragement and help give them direction that feeds my soul. But when they don't want to listen and they don't want to move, sometimes I have to love them from afar. And there are people I have had to release, as painful as that can be, but I have to do it. You see, God loves us all, but even he will become silent sometimes when we're caught up in the world and when we don't want to listen. He promised never to leave us or forsake us, and he won't. 
but he also might stop speaking or you might stop hearing him when you're living in the world and when you're in Satan's corner. And he may stop giving you direction until you listen and obey the last command he gave you. I've been there. I've been there. But this friend, this friend who was running from God for so long, but he always, always, always acknowledged God's presence and God's love over his life. Also, he knew he was lost. He knew he was lost. He admitted it, but he still ran. One night, um, actually it was early morning, he was jumped by 10 men. One person jumped by 10 men and no one came to his rescue. Those 10 men left him for dead. Actually, he should be dead. He came out of that situation with a broken rib, a knot on his face. He has some bumps and bruises. He's in a lot of physical pain. Now he's dealing with some issues with his arm, but he's alive. He's alive. And when he, and when he came through it, he was ready. He was ready. He left the place that he was in and he vowed he wasn't going back. See, this story is very fresh and it's actually, it's what inspired this message and inspired me to deliver this message to you today. You see, he was scared straight. And once again, he recognized God's hand on his life. And he knew without a doubt that his angels were encamped around him, that they were protecting his body from the punches and the hits and the kicks. And the beautiful thing about God is that I felt an unction to reach out to him and check on him. Mind you, we seldom talked at that point. And even when we did, I was often frustrated, if I'm being honest, because I knew the call in his life and that he was thwarting God's promise and he was in a state of rebellion. So it was frustrating for me. But, you know, I did reach out. I listened. I reached out to check on him. And I was shocked to hear that this had just happened the day before. He didn't even sound like the same person. He was truly scared straight. And I knew he was ready to follow God. In the days that followed, he began writing his biography, which is something that I told him a long time ago that he needed to do. And you know what? He is continuing to progress and progress, but he's got to do it. He's got to do it day in and day out, every day, one day at a time. What about you? Have you been scared straight? I don't want it to go that far in your life, but God will never stop chasing you. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 12 through 14, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, surely I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than the other 99 that didn't go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. You see, God will leave the 99 and come after you when you go astray and when you're in a state of rebellion because he loves you that much. He wants you to live your best life and he wants you to fulfill your call in this earth. And you do have one. You have a purpose. We all do. Please bear in mind that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So we will punish for our sins. And sometimes it will seem that God has given up on us. As I said, though, he will never leave us, forsake us. So it's not the case. He's always there. However, he will never beg you to come to him. He's a gentleman. The Bible says in Revelation 3 and 20, he stands at the door and knocks. If anyone hears his voice and opens it, he will come in and eat with that person and they with him. In other words, he wants intimacy with us, but he will never force it like Satan does. 
God will never manipulate us to get us to come to him. But always know he's at the door waiting to come in. Just like the prodigal son, he doesn't care where you've been or what you've done. He is ready to greet you with open arms, put a crown on your head, and a robe of royalty over your shoulders. If you surrender, if you surrender and come to the throne humbly, if you repent for your sins and for rebelling, for rebelling against him, and then committing your life to him. The Bible said God's, God is married to the backslider. If you were in the word and you were in faith before and you were in church, but you walked away, God is calling you to come back. He's using my voice right now to tell you, come back. If you've never had a relationship with God, he's using my voice to tell you, please take a chance on me. He wants you to take a chance on him. After all, he is your creator. He knows you and loves you more than anyone ever can or will. If you've been in this thing for a long time, I talk to those people too a lot. It's time to go higher. Keep pushing. Keep seeking God for what's next. And if you don't know your purpose, you must ask God. Pray about it. Fast on it if you need to. And I will tell you this. Your purpose probably lines up to what you're passionate about and what you're good at. And you definitely want to use those gifts for the kingdom. Oftentimes, we use our gifts for the world and for our work in the marketplace, but not for God and for the kingdom and for our ministries. We've got to begin doing that if we're not doing it. We've got to. I'm confident if you walk out the things that you're good at, it will line up with your purpose. You see, I'm a talker. I talk a lot. So why would God not use me to teach the gospel? I'm an optimist. I'm a positive glass half full person. Some people might say I'm unrealistic. No, I just have strong faith. So why would God not use me to encourage and pray for others? And just like I told my friend, we still have an adversary and he's been attacking my friend his whole life since he was small, since he was a small child, trying to abort the promise of God over his life, trying to steal that huge call that he has to snatch souls out of hell because he does. You see, Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, but the Bible says that God came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. Maybe you're in the same situation where you've been attacked your whole life and Satan's been trying to abort God's promises. Well, you remember God's promise that he came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And I don't know about you, but I want that abundant life that God has for me. It's a promise after all. I want God to do as he promised in Ephesians 3 and 20. To do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God isn't afraid of Satan and you shouldn't be either. We are on the winning side. But don't be fooled. Satan likely won't give up trying to win you back until you're strong enough to resist. The funny thing is people don't even know there is a Satan until they get saved. That's when he becomes a threat. Satan becomes a threat when you know he exists. You're no longer playing in his court or being an ally or an advocate for his evil devices. But as you grow stronger in the Lord, it will become easier for you to resist the devil and he will flee. The Bible says in James chapter 4, resist the devil and he will flee. As you become stronger, you'll be able to do that. But as long as you entertain Satan and his imps, he will stick around. And he'll torment you. And by the way, he's subtle. 
Sometimes you don't even know you're under attack. And other times, you're blaming your situation on Satan and it's not him, it's you. So it's important to do self-reflection and ask God to give you wisdom and discernment to know the difference. Is this an attack from Satan or is this me? And if it is a sa- attack from Satan, you can rebuke him and tell him to get behind you. You give him God every time. You tell him Jesus. You put the word in his face every time he tries to attack you. And he will flee. But if you cower, you let him win. See, I want to see you get set free. I want to see you get set free and not by being scared straight. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2 and 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, God's grace and his mercy, it's available to us all. That's what the Bible says. His love and his kindness, it's available to us all. But we must first believe that, and then we must reach out and grab it. I don't know about you, but I want to continue growing in my faith and my relationship with God until he comes back to get me. I strive to be more like him in word and deed. I strive to love the unlovable. I strive to work out my purpose and help others who are bound up and broken see his marvelous light and know that they can live a beautiful and a full life of victory and freedom. As I said before, I miss it. I'm human. But I don't stop. I don't stop pushing. I don't stop progressing. I don't stop repenting when I do miss it and asking God to help me in my weaknesses. I want people to know they don't have to be poor, depressed, hurt, sad, lonely, anxious, fearful, afraid, broken. No matter what you've been through, God can use your mess as a message and your test as a testimony. He truly can. He's done it for me. Maybe you were abused as a child or you've been abused as an adult, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. People think it's just physical abuse. No, there's all forms of abuse. Some people are going through church hurt. They've been abused in church. Maybe you deal with insecurities because you never felt good enough. Maybe you're caught in a cycle of addiction or you can't stop lying or stealing. Maybe you can't stop sleeping around or being angry. Maybe you're caught up in a relationship that you know is not the relationship that God has for you, but you don't know how to get out. Whatever you're dealing with, we have a God who wants you healed, delivered, and set free. If you need help to overcome your obstacle, whatever you're dealing with, seek it out. You have to go get it. It's up to you to take the first step towards freedom and towards victory. This friend that I was ministering to and putting the word, giving the word to him and doing devotionals and praying, I, it was not up to me to for him to change. It was up to him to change. And it's still up to it every day because he has to make that conscious decision every single day of his life. But I'll tell you what, when you're at a crossroads and you don't know which way to turn left or right, go that narrow path that leads to righteousness because it is the right path. And don't delay. You have to move swiftly because Satan is waiting in the wings to snatch you up. I want nothing more than to see everyone under the sound of my voice free and fully aware of who you are in Christ. And that's my prayer for you today and moving forward is what I talk about a lot because I'm so passionate about it. The last person that I want to talk about is Paul. And I'm sure some of you know the story of Paul. Paul was scared straight. 
Paul was scared straight on the road to Damascus. He was headed from Jerusalem to Damascus. And the Bible says that Paul was a chief sinner and persecutor of Christians. Actually, Paul himself said it. Paul said himself in 1 Timothy 1 and 15. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Key word is I am. He said, I am chief. In other words, Paul was saying, I am saved and I'm walking in my call, but I have not arrived. And for those of you in Paul's position, including me, we haven't either. We still have a savior because we sin and we fall short of the glory. And thank God for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. All I can say is I'm so grateful for him. Nevertheless, God, even in our sin, God still loves us. And he loved Paul. He loved Paul, who was a persecutor of Christians, who stood by and saw them killed. He uttered threats with every breath, and he was eager to cure the Lord's followers himself. In Acts 9, 9-1, the Bible tells us. God still called that heathen, Paul, on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus. And Paul was actually on his way. He had a purpose on his trip to arrest Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem. But then what happened next was a resurrected Jesus Christ appeared to him in a great light. There goes that light. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Jesus came to him on that trip to Damascus from Jerusalem when he's going to go and snatch these Christians up. That great light came. And guess what? Paul was struck blind for three days. Three days this man could not see. He couldn't see. Can you imagine? You see this bright light and then all of a sudden you're blind. You talk about being scared straight. I know I would have been. When his sight was renewed, it was renewed by a man named Ananias, Ananias, excuse me, Ananias, who was of Damascus. Um, But Paul then immediately, see, moved swiftly, moved fast towards that narrow gate that leads to righteousness. He began to preach the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the Jewish Messiah and the Son of God. If you want to refer, you want to study the book of Paul, or understand, not the book of Paul, but to understand Paul's life, um, about half of the book of Acts deals with Paul's life and his works. Um, And Paul wrote a majority of the New Testament. I would say two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul wrote it. You see, Paul knew the Word of God even before all this. He knew the Word of God because he was a Pharisee. So he studied the Word. He studied the Bible. He was religious. But he didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that Jesus had come back. And this was even in those days of Jesus. He didn't believe it until he was scared straight. Paul's story is so important. It's so important because many of us are like Paul. We are wayward. We're backsliders. Some of us are questioning the gospel. Is Jesus real? Is God? They believe God, but they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. A lot of people don't today. A lot of people are worldly. They're confused. Many people are in church, but they're very stagnant and complacent spiritually. Well, I want to challenge you to lean in with God. Pray more often. As the Bible says, pray without ceasing. I believe that praying without ceasing means to keep your mind stayed on Jesus. For me, it's giving him credit and the glory for everything in my life, big and small. I always give him the glory. I give him credit for it because I know I'm nothing without him. I even thank him for the hard times because I know it's developing my character. I want you to, as I have to do very often, check your heart posture. Do you have a good and a positive attitude or are you negative and doom and gloom? 
See, I have to check myself when I'm complaining. And even about first world. I complain about first world problems. First world problems. And sometimes I'm acting small and wanting my way. And I have to check myself. And sometimes God checks me. There's always someone in a worse situation than you. Always. You have to reflect on that. And even if your life isn't where you want it to be, thank God for all that you do have. And thank Him for what's to come. Have a positive attitude about what's to come. It's such a big deal. I want us to have more hope and more faith for the outcome of our situation and our future and not be doom and gloom about it. Just because it's the way it is today doesn't mean that's how it has to be tomorrow or next year or five years from now. Positivity. Have a positive attitude. It goes so far. We look not at what is seen, but what is unseen, the Bible says. We have hope for the unseen, not what our circumstance is today, but what we can't see that God already sees it. We're just waiting for it to be manifested in the earth, um, that goodness and that grace and that freedom and that victory and all the things that we're believing him for. There are a few things about Paul that I'm going to talk to you about um, that I hope will challenge you about who he was. The first one is that Paul remained humble. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, he said, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Here we see Paul's humility, but we also see that he's secure in who he is in Christ at this point. He's secure. He knows. He gives God credit for it. He knows. He's like, I know it's not me. It's God. He called me. He saved me. He set me free. I'm a wretched soul. Um, I persecuted Christians. I am the least. I am not worthy of this call, but God did call me. And guess what? At the same time, while I'm not worthy, I did work harder than anyone else. So he's secure in who he is. He knows what he's done. But he gives God the glory for it all. So that's that humility that I want us to make sure we remember about Paul and we're walking in ourselves. The next thing is that Paul suffered a lot of persecution in his life, but he never stopped rejoicing God. An example of that is in Acts 16, 16 through 40, which I'm not going to read it all. But if you ever have time, please do, because it's such a powerful text in the Bible I'm going to read Acts 16.25, which is a piece of that. It says, At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You see, they had been arrested because they had driven demons out of a young girl, um, and the officials saw it. They arrest them, threw them into jail. I will tell you, jails in biblical days are not like jails today. I mean, I can imagine rats. Um, it was probably a lot of sewage. They probably stunk. They, it was cold, I'm sure, dirt floors. I mean, it was terrible conditions, I am confident. And they were thrown into jail for doing the work of the Lord. Um, and they were singing and praising God nevertheless. And what ended up happening in that story is the jailer, when he woke up and he saw what happened was the gates were open. The gates of the doors were open. The prisoner saw, I mean, the jailer saw it. Everyone is still there intact, but the jailer was going to kill himself. Paul and Silas somehow managed to turn that situation around to God be the glory. 
ended up at this man's house. This man and his entire household got saved and everybody got set free that day. That, I believe, came off of them singing hymns to the Lord, praising God, the prisoners listening. Do you think some people got saved that day? You think people that did not believe in Jesus, their lives changed that day? Oh, absolutely it did. We know that the jailer and his children or his family's life changed that day because the Bible tells us it did. But I'm confident everybody else that was in jail, those prisoners, they also probably got set free and got saved that day as well. So no matter what you're going through, whatever persecution you have to suffer, rejoice in the Lord, continue to praise him through your situation. I promise you, it's going to help you with your attitude. It's going to give you a better attitude. It's hard. I know it's hard. I've been there where you just want to crawl into a hole and you just want to go into a state of depression and woe is me and self-pity, but you have to muster up the strength or find someone who can be an accountability partner and can love on you and pray for you and be there and sing those hymns with you. Paul had Silas and Silas had Paul. It might have been more difficult if they were alone. But no matter what you go through, don't stop giving God the praise, rejoicing in him, no matter what. The next thing that Paul did was he walked in his purpose. He founded several churches after he got saved. Um, and he preached to both Jews and Gentiles, to the Jewish and to the Gentiles, which is everyone else. If you're not Jewish, I'm not. We're Gentiles, but we are all the same in God's eyes today. Thank you for Jesus. Um, so Paul walked out his purpose. And the next thing is Paul kept the right company. Paul's friends were people like Barnabas, Silas, Luke, Titus. Well, Titus has a book in the Bible. Luke, we know, is one of the Gospels, and he um, was a disciple. Barnabas was also. And then Silas was out ministering with him in this situation I just talked about where they were both arrested. Romans 16 refers to, Paul refers to his friends as workers in Christ Jesus and laborers in the Lord. So he had the right company, which is so important. The next thing is Paul was a mentor to Timothy, to young Timothy. Paul mentored him. 1 Timothy 1 and 2 um, says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, our hope to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from our God, our Father, and our Jesus Christ, our Lord. So it was a letter he sent to Timothy, who he referred to as a true son in the faith. So he was a mentor to Timothy. And the next thing that Paul did is, or that Paul was, is he knew he was human and he admitted his weaknesses. Romans 7, 14 and 15 says, we know that the law, of, the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. And then Romans 7 and 18 says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. In other words, Paul knew he had a flesh and he knew that his flesh would never be saved and that his flesh was weak. He knew he was human. And then lastly, Paul professed Jesus as his savior and he spoke of his goodness. Paul knew he was nothing without God and he acknowledged it. Um, he acknowledged it. He acknowledged it. Um, and so he says, he says in Romans 7, 24 and 25, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. 
but in my sinful nature, I am a sin to the law of sin. I'm a slave to the law of sin. So Paul professed Jesus as his Savior. He called him as Lord and Savior, and he spoke of God's goodness. It's because of God that I am who I am. Thank God for Jesus, he said, our Lord. And then in Philippians 2, 6-8, he says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He professed the truth about God, Paul did, that he had died on the cross for us. He professed that right there in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. And he shared that for the church, to the church or with the church at Philippi. So he, he, he shared, you know, God wasn't, he was not equal with God. He didn't consider himself equal with God. He became a man. He was human. He had the appearance of a man, but he humbled himself and he died for us. So thank you, Paul, for sharing that. So using Paul, in closing, I am going to give you a few practical applications to moving towards victory and not putting yourself in a position to be scared straight, okay? The first one is stay humble. Stay humble. Satan was kicked out of heaven because of pride. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, the Bible says. We do not want to walk in pride. We have to be humble. And I know we can sometimes be prideful in situations, but we have to humble ourselves. Be humble. Stay humble. Jesus was humble. He became a servant. He was the the example of humility, becoming a servant and then dying for our sins. He is the example of humility. And Paul was as well. The next thing is press. And don't stop praising the Lord, even in the middle of a storm. Keep praising Him. And watch your situation turn around. I'm telling you, it will. Don't stop praising them. The next thing is watch the company you keep. If your friends aren't adding to your life and you to theirs, what is the friendship really about? And then there's those toxic family members. Sometimes we have to love them from afar as well. Because negativity and toxicity, it cannot live where we live and dwell if we're trying to stay in the light and we're trying to be a light. The next thing is grow. Grow so that you can help someone else. And if you are grown spiritually, quote unquote grown spiritually, and you aren't mentoring or being an encourager to someone else in the realm of your gifts, it's time that you step up and start doing that. Ask God to lead people to you because we have to be, we're blessed so that we can be a blessing to others, just like Paul did with young Timothy. And then the next thing is admit your flaws. But don't rest in them or use them as an excuse saying, it's just who I am. I've said that. It's just who I am. Well, it's not. Our shortcomings and knowing our shortcomings is so that we can recognize them and overcome them, work to overcome them. That's why we recognize and we admit our flaws is the first step to being to getting better. So admit your flaws, but then, then move forward with trying to change and asking God to help you in that change. It's hard. Old habits are, habits are hard to break, so we need God's help in that. And then lastly, always give God the glory for everything. I say this a lot because it's so important. You must never forget where you came from and how you got to where you are and continually thanking Him for where you're going 
And for his selfless love, his selfless love, and his grace and mercy over your life. Because his grace is sufficient for us all. And if it wasn't for his grace and his mercy, where would we be? My challenge to you in the coming days, weeks, months, and years as we go into this new year is to reflect on how far you've come and shoot for what's next. Let go of what's holding you back, whether it's people, places, or things, and move towards the mark of the higher calling. Move towards the mark of the higher calling. I know it's easier said than done, but I don't want to see anyone scared straight. However, the way I always said it to my, to my kids, especially to my son, I'd rather get your atten- God get your attention on this side of earth than for it to be on the other side when you're waiting for judgment, for judgment day. What will it be? The choice is yours. I wish you all of God's blessings and fullness on your life today and forever more. Let's go get it. Let us pray. God, thank you for this word that you put on my heart. Lord, I know you want to see us all changed. I know you want to see us as peculiar people, which is different in this world, but not of this world. I pray, God, that you will help us all in our weaknesses. Help us to grow in you, to be drawn to you, to be more like you, and to resist the devil so that he can flee. God, I want us all to live a full life, to walk out our purpose, God. And I just pray for every single person that's listening right now, that today will be the start of a new path and a new direction for their lives. And for those that are pressing already, I pray that they will continue to press like never before, Lord. I just pray that in these last days, we will become more like you. I pray that you will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think in our lives. And I thank you, God, for doing that in advance. We praise your holy name. We love you. We give you all the glory, honor, and the praise today and forevermore. We thank you. And we pray these all of our prayers in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thank you, podcast listeners, for tuning in. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Kingdom Talk with Tanya.